if I describe my story in one word, that would be persistent. Just sticking to my own vision of where I wanted to be and just following that. Hello, and welcome to the Cisco Learning Network podcast. That was Huma Hamid, Technical Program Manager of Digital Transformation at Cisco. Apart from a career of working at multiple international companies, Huma is also the co-founder of Pakistani Women in Computing, which is a global company of women who are from Pakistan, with the aim of building a strong network of Pakistan females and their allies across the globe to promote Pakistani women in all fields. In this episode, we're going to hear the story of Huma's educational and career journey, and how she had to overcome a great deal of adversity and struggle to pursue a career in technology. But first, Huma talks about how she fell in love with tech as a child, which was not a typical thing to happen for a young girl in her environment. I grew up in Pakistan. My mom was working in public health, so we moved around whenever she got transferred. I've lived in different cities in Pakistan. I was the only child, so I didn't have other siblings in the house. I didn't have any male family members in the house. And my mother was also a single parent and she was working. She had a job as government employee and a lot of her work actually involved going out in the field and being part of the communities to provide them with the healthcare services. So that definitely impacted me growing up. There was no gender roles inside the house. You know, if there's anything that is broken, I'll go fix it. And that's why I have always been very hands-on with doing different things inside the house. All my cousins and close family, they lived in different cities. So I actually had to find ways to entertain myself and to keep myself busy. Growing up, I remember as somebody who was very curious, who was always looking for ways to learn and explore. So I will spend a lot of my time actually doing my own projects inside the house. I had only designated hours where I could go out and play with other kids in the area. And as I became a teenager, being a female, it was not also very encouraged to go out and play. Growing up in a country where your whole identity or for the most part, you know, your identity is associated with your father or your brother or, you know, male members of your family. Not having that gave me both a sense of extreme independence, you know, that I could go and explore, you know, the things that were interesting to me. And it just shaped the overall personality to be my own champion or to be my own back in many ways. And a lot of stuff that I learned growing up, like learning how to drive a car, learning how to ride a bike, or just fixing stuff that normally associated with a male needs to do those things. So I didn't have those discrimination or that distinction in my house. So that definitely helped me shape my personality. I was a very curious child, but I was also very free-spirited. So anything that will enable me to move around quickly, that really fascinated me. So 
I thought I'll be pilot when I'll grow up because that will allow me to fly. And then riding a bike was something that I really, really wanted to do. I remember saving all my pocket money for almost six months to eight months or a year maybe to save all the money to buy myself a bicycle. And it was absolutely not common to have one, especially for girls. Even if girls, they do have it, they usually, you know, borrow from their brothers. So I saved the money, I bought the bicycle and I realized that I didn't know how to ride it and it didn't have those supporting you know three wheels at the back so it just came with just two wheels so I spent whole afternoon trying to learn how to ride that and I do remember the first time I sat on it and I had to pull the brake I did not know that you just don't pull the brake simultaneously which I did and I fell down and I still have scars on my knees so that was the kind of person that I was I'll make friends with girls in my neighborhood who had video games or their brothers own video games so I was very much interested into playing video games growing up as well one of my cousins he introduced me to typing games he was the first one in our family in late 90s when he got his first computer if I remember correctly it was a uh, 3D6DX and that was very intriguing. I thought that machine was awesome and he will let me play video games, mostly typing games on that. So I think that sparked the interest. I just thought that was, you know, this box computer was very fascinating. It could do magic. I could spend my whole day just playing games on that. At that point, I think what lacked that I did not know what else could be done because that was a time when computing or anything related to internet was very new. In the early 2000s, Pakistan's science and technology industries were undergoing a massive period of growth, and the government's new policy had a lot to do with that. According to an article written by Professor Atta Ur Rahman in Science Magazine published in September 2002, quote, The present government places science and technology, including information technology, amongst its highest priorities. A comprehensive program has been worked out and launched for building a knowledge-based economy by integrating science and technology with economic development programs. The government has raised the financial commitment to the ministry I head by more than a 6,000% increase. Since June 2000, the government has launched over 260 development projects worth a total of about $300 million in various fields of the IT, telecommunications, and science and technology sectors." End quote. Early 2000 was an exciting time for technology industry. It is still very exciting, but when we started, that was possibly the first time when we started to see a lot of jobs in the telecom sector that started showing up. There were a lot of software houses that started their, their operations and a few tech companies. One of the companies that I worked for, so a few international companies started to open their offices in Pakistan. and. That was absolutely a time to pursue an education in technology, to find and build a career in technology. And even there were a number of scholarships available for students who wanted to pursue advanced level education in technology, you know, in countries abroad. So absolutely a time that I have never seen before that, where, you know, my generation or my peers were one of the first few who opted for these jobs and then basically set the foundation for computer science graduate and technology graduate that was definitely the first time ever that so many opportunities were available to tap into.
this new wave of energy in the technology industry made its way into Huma's world as well. Discovering IT for me, I think there was absolutely no one around me who had ever pursued this. Not in my family, not in many of my you know friend circle. But there were a few family friends or extended friends I would know that they're some really smart people, mostly boys, that they are doing technology. What they do was, I did not know what they do. I just knew that they do some awesome stuff. They make all this magic happen that we are seeing in the field of technology. I got my first computer when I was 18. There was no internet, but I was still spending, you know, hours on that computer playing video games. So I, I thought there's somebody is building this, right? Somebody is doing all this awesome work, you know, especially all the stuff with Microsoft Office. I thought that was amazing. Like, why do I even need to use pen and pencil to write anything? I can just type everything in Microsoft Word and I can create a presentation in PowerPoint. So I think a lot of that was just so mind-blowing 20 years ago. And I thought, I just want to be part of that whole creation. I just want to be someone who builds this kind of stuff. For the most part, I think at that time, technology was thriving all across the world. So I, of course, didn't have the same opportunity or the exposure that people in first world countries had. So for me, just having a computer and being able to play games was attractive enough. And then once I got enrolled at NAST and once we started building websites through web technologies and started learning databases and I thought that was amazing like we could solve so many problems you know just using technology one of the things that I do want to mention that different people have different inclination on why they choose to be in tech mine was mostly around solving problems for human beings or people around me or the communities that i lived in it was never building technology for the sake of building technology it was always to see how this can help make my life easier and you know people around me how they can benefit from it so there has always been a social impact aspect of it that really made technology so attractive for me to join. So for the first few years, I think just learning how to code, learning how to use all that knowledge and then looking at all the impact that it can make on people's life, that was amazing. But just as Huma's passion for technology was growing, her mother had other plans. In Pakistani culture or society, you know, if a girl is good at studies, which I was, the by default choice is to become a doctor. So my mother really wanted me to pursue medicine. And since I had a rebellious personality from the very beginning, and this was probably the first time that I exercised that, that I choose engineering over medicine. For a couple of reasons, I thought I'll have more options and it was more exciting for me to be able to build something if I do computing versus if I become a doctor. So yes, that was the time that I made that choice. However, I would like to mention that I did enroll in medicine. I spent about a month and after that I went up to my principal and I put an application to be moved to the engineering section and he said, 
okay, if you want to be in that section, we will need to take another test of mathematics and only then you will be able to join. My mom thought that was a crazy idea, but I opted for the test and I got accepted in the engineering track as well. And that's when I made the switch. I finished the college with engineering. I went to university, I did my undergrad and I did my master's in information systems and I started working. And even after that, my mom thought that it was a crazy idea. I think it was just a few years ago that when I started really progressing in my career and especially when I started the volunteer work in technology space I think that's when she gave up on saying that it was a bad idea but she thought I should have gone for medicine and not for engineering. It was mostly because she thought that engineering would be a very male dominating and she did not want me to be part of that circle like she wanted me to be more on the medicine side where there will be more female doctors and it will be easier for me to navigate. And I now I understand why she had that concern. With her mind made up that she wanted to pursue a career in technology instead of medicine, Uma decided to start looking for schools to apply to. But she quickly narrowed her search to one school in particular. National University in Sciences of Technology was the engineering school that I enrolled into. Right after high school, a student in education system, they have to choose if they want to be pre-medicine or pre-engineering before they can go for the undergrad program. So it was in, during the pre-medicine time when I opted for pre-engineering. So there were a very handful options when it comes to medical schools and engineering schools in Pakistan. Like everybody knew that these are you know, four or five choices. And I had four or five schools, you know, top schools that I listed for myself. And the reason I opted for NAST, it's a public university, but it's half governed by the armed forces. They were known for their discipline. They were known for their quality of education and the quality of research. And part of my schooling growing up was also in schools that were part of the Air Force or armed services. So I was very much familiar with that whole discipline thing and the quality of education thing. So I think that became a driving factor. And then Nust was also in Islamabad. And I just mentioned that I loved Islamabad. I wanted to make sure that I end up there somehow. So I let go of all the other options and just pursued this one very passionately. What it ended up giving me was access to all the different areas in which I thought I wanted to grow in a community where I could learn to be in engineering. So NUST is one of the best schools, top engineering schools in Pakistan. That's why it was the obvious choice for me. And I was very excited when I got admission there. So uh, we also had to move city. I was living in Sargoda, which is a small city in Punjab. And it was a small, tight-knit community. Nast was in Islamabad, so it was a huge move, not just moving the school, but also moving the city. So my mom actually transferred her job to Islamabad to be with me, and I was just very excited. I remember my first day at school and the whole orientation and meeting with all other friends. It was, I think, one of the most exciting times. I just felt that it was too big, like all of a sudden I was in a big city. 
I did feel that I was a little lost when I moved there because I didn't have any friends. I didn't have anyone that I knew. I had family in Islamabad, but not friends. So I think the first few years were pretty challenging for me to build those connections. And that possibly led to this whole thing about finding the community and people that you can connect with and like-minded people. I think it has been a part of my life, just moving different cities around. Huma had always been a good student. It's why her mother thought she should pursue medicine and how she was able to get accepted into one of the top universities in Pakistan. But when she started her coursework, she found that things weren't coming to her as quickly and as easily as they had in the past. On top of feeling overwhelmed by being in a completely new and immense environment, Huma found herself starting to struggle in school and fall behind some of her other classmates for reasons she didn't understand at the time. I joined NUST and before that I was really excelling in my studies until I joined NUST. So once I joined the information technology program and we started with the basic fundamentals of computing, very unexpectedly I found myself struggling the first year. Now reflecting back why I was struggling, I may have a different take on that, but at least at that point I thought it was probably too late for me to have that kind of exposure and I just felt this overwhelming imposter syndrome that, you know, I wasn't smart enough to be in this course and I wasn't prepared to be successful successful in this. And part of the reason that it was probably a class of close to 50 students with only 10 of us were girls. As the course were progressed, a lot of girls actually started dropping out. I think we I graduated with seven or eight. But part of that, I really struggled with all the coursework with computing fundamentals. And it was mostly because I was very reluctant to say, I don't know this and I need help. A lot of boys in our class, most of them, they either had some sort of exposure prior to coming to university. They had exposure playing video games. They had exposure doing peer programming or just being with other guys, you know, and discussing those ideas. But I myself and I later found out a lot of other girls in the class we all felt very isolated and thought that this was probably not the right choice for us and this is like in 2001 so almost 20 years ago it felt like an isolated place at least for me and I struggled in the first year of my undergrad it was not until we moved to the second year and when some advanced courses we got exposed to some advanced level courses in computing, especially around databases and project management and web technologies and networking. That's when I started to thrive. For the most part, I thought I'll probably drop out because I wasn't doing great and I wanted to be good. Yes, first year was pretty hard. And I did not know that it was just not me at that time. I thought there was something wrong with me and that I'm not getting it and I'm feeling very overwhelmed with everything that I have to learn and I, and I felt very alone in that journey at that, at that time. But I think once I started to get hold of all the core concepts in second year, that's when I decided that I'll stick around and I'll finish this and there's nothing that I cannot do. I think that's where the persistence part came in. I think the moment I started to thrive, there were two things that happened. One, I decided that there is no way that I'm giving up on this. 
So there was internal strength that kicked in and I decided to learn everything that I needed to learn to excel. And after that, the next three years went pretty great. I showed consistent progress. The second thing which I believe impacted and I found out later that how it actually impacts that sense of isolation. I think a lot of girls in our class and including myself, we all got very overwhelmed not knowing the basics and we thought there's something like wrong with me that I don't know. And it was possibly the late exposure while there were some boys in the class, they had prior exposure to computers because they thought this was something for them. They all already knew all those concepts so when they will talk or ask questions in the class it will make someone like me or other girls in the class that we don't know enough and maybe if we publicly acknowledge that there's some sort of shame associated with it so I think just the fear of not knowing and basically acknowledging that and, and feeling shame in in that I think that impacted the most learning in the first year not until 2009, which is after I graduated, I joined the industry. That's when one of my friends in the US introduced me to this Women in Computing conference. And that's when I started volunteering for that conference as a technical reviewer. And I started attending that conference, which is very popular in the women in tech communities, the Grace Hopper Celebration of Women in Computing. I think once I attended that conference and I found there were 12,000 other females in the room in that conference who at some point felt the same way in their tech journey, that they were probably the only one in the classroom or one of the few who were pursuing engineering or technology as education or as career. And at some point they have also felt the same imposter syndrome, the same doubt about do I really belong here? Am I smart enough to be here? Is this the right choice for me? When I found out that pretty much all of us went through that, then I realized that it was not just me. It was more systematic than me saying, oh, there's something wrong with me. For the most part, I was very concerned that how come I was a good student in high school and all of a sudden, none of this is easy for me to navigate. And there's nobody that I can go and talk to about it because everybody seems to know this and understand this, even though later I found out that a lot of us were struggling and women in general, they do struggle, but there's lack of support and mentoring and just the realization that late exposure impacts your ability to learn was something that I learned very late. Despite not having the same experience with technology as her male peers and coming into the coursework behind the curve, Huma still graduated from the National University of Sciences and Technology in 2005 and she already had an internship lined up at a tech company called Target Systems. Yes, that was my first job out of school. It started as an internship. So our school had a requirement that we needed to have an internship to earn a degree. And very interestingly, for most of our classmates, they somehow found positions in their family companies or some of them actually went back to the industry, but it was not very easy to find an internship in the industry at that time. There were not many options available. So I do remember that at least for this specific one, I reached out to my cousin and he had a connection who had a small software house in Islamabad and I decided to join for internship. But the exciting thing is that I was so scared to take on a development, like a software development job that I said, I'll do anything except for coding because I was very scared of coding. I thought I 
I, I wouldn't know like how to work in an office and then take on a development job. So they gave me a project. There was an audit that was required for the company and they asked me to join the audit team and help the company go through the certification. So that was my first job that I did. After I finished the internship and my I also graduated, then I joined the software test team because I thought I was a good fit for that because of the analytical skills that I had and I also wanting not to write code. That was my experience of my first job, but I already knew that this is going to be a gap year before I go and pursue my master's. So it was not until I came back that I actively interviewing and looking for jobs. After that, I realized that I had to go out and explore the world, both for my career, for learning, and just, you know, for life. So I was the first female in my family to pursue education out of country. So I went to London. This was definitely the first time that I had to navigate a world absolutely, completely on my own. That's it for the first part of Huma's story. In the next part, Huma continues her story by talking about her experience navigating a completely different culture and society in London on her own and how that influenced the rest of her career path. Please subscribe to the Cisco Learning Network podcast to make sure you'll know when the second part of her story is available and to hear others tell their stories of pursuing their careers in technology. And be sure to visit the Cisco Learning Network at www.ciscolearningnetwork.com to find endless resources like training videos and study groups that can help you get started or continue your own career journey. Thanks for listening.